Hey, dentisting friends, this is Dr. Nacho. I'm so excited to be doing the Dental Nacho Supreme CE coming up soon. It is going to be 24 hours of live streamed virtual CE brought to you on your couch when you watch live. It counts as live. Miss an episode. It's going to be up in the group for the entire year. To learn more about this awesome opportunity, reach out to us at dentalnachos.com or email supreme at dentalnachos.com. My number one amigo, Rob, is going to be one of the uh, presenters for the Dental Nacho Supreme. It's going to be awesome. You're going to love it. It's going to be CE brought to you on your couch. Don't miss out. Welcome to the Dental Amigos podcast with Dr. Paul Goodman and attorney Rob Montgomery, taking you behind the scenes of the dental business world, all the things you didn't learn in dental school but wish you had. Rob is not a dentist and Paul is not a lawyer, but since Rob is a lawyer, we need to tell you that this podcast is for informational purposes only and shouldn't be considered legal advice. Listening to this podcast does not and will not create an attorney-client relationship. As is always the case, you should formally consult with legal counsel before proceeding with any legal matter. Learn more about The Dental Amigos at www.thedentalamigos.com. And now, here are The Dental Amigos. Hello, everyone. I'm Rob Montgomery, and I'm joined, as always, by the head notch himself, Dr. Paul Goodman. Welcome to another episode of The Dental Amigos. Great to be here, Rob. Another uh, virtual, socially distanced podcast got going here. It's, it's good to see you via Zoom once again. I, I look forward to, to being in the room together at some point, maybe in 2021, Paul. Yeah. It's got to become re- it's got to become re-legal. illegal. We're looking to re-legal. People are looking to reopen. I want to re-legal. It's a good Seinfeld joke. <laughs> Legalize the in-person podcasting. Yeah. So we're we're recording this episode on uh, May nineteenth, twenty twenty, and this is our eighth podcasting in place uh, episode. Uh, we're rolling into our I think tenth week of lockdown in uh, in Philadelphia, Paul, with seemingly no end in sight. Um, I think it's weird. You know, I want to say, Rob, I said, you and I talk a lot. I, I feel it's more like locked out. Like the lockdown, you know, the, the moderators, and Mrs. Notch, we've been going around the city, but we're kind of locked out from doing anything. You know, it's, it's, it's a good locked out. That's a very good way to put it. That's yeah. a good way to put it. You can, you can get out of your house, but the, there's no place to go. Um, yeah. Very true. Um, so it's, you know, obviously we're seeing, I think this week, you know, some, some changes around the country, uh, with you know more friction uh, on both sides of the of the debate as to whether um, you know we should be more open as an economy or continue to shelter in place, it's uh, a, a a very polarizing issue. I mean, uh, in my 52 years, probably as polarizing an issue I think I've ever seen in this country. You know, normally politics, you know, it's kind of right around the middle ground is where most of the action is, and this is. Right. Pretty much at opposite ends of the spectrum, you know. Um, I think, so. you know, that, that, that's a perfect uh, point. And it's also as we get into what we'll talk about today is where's the reality and how do we move forward from this middle? Because, you know, shelter in place, but, you know, we can go out and get takeout or, you know, open the economy. Some things are open, some aren't. I think we just need to have more productive dialogue on what we can do to make things a little better. Oh, there's no doubt. You know, and I, I listened to uh, a great podcast uh Rich Roll had uh, last week uh, Dr. David Katz on. Uh, You got to listen to that. Anybody that's listening, you should listen to that. I mean, for anybody that's sort of been just just drifting out there waiting for a voice of reason and for somebody to come up with a plan that's kind of in the middle that actually tries to address both issues, you know, what we need to do uh, as an economy uh, and what we need to do to to stop and, and, and prevent the, uh, the spread of the virus, this is definitely uh, must listening. I think it was the, the May 7th uh, episode. Cool. And so um, I just look forward to, you know, more and more people coming forward with, with solutions just to get away from this just polarized all or nothing debate. Because I mean, I, I, you know, I feel like very few rational humans right now can possibly defend either extreme. Right. Exactly. You know, and, and, and there's, that's, that's, you know, what we're, that's the voice. That's the only thing that you see on whatever media outlet or whatever, you know, governor or, you know, local executive president, you know, it's just, we need to, to come together and try to find some compromise and find a solution. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm seeing more, I think, friction. We all are, you know, around the country uh, in states that are closed down where people are starting to, uh, really rise up against what are some draconian measures. And hopefully, and as David Katz talks about in that episode, 
that, you know, these two extremes ultimately are going to have to be reconciled and hopefully they get reconciled in a compromise that is actually the middle ground where we should actually be. So fingers crossed, you know, uh, before, before too much civil unrest <laughs> comes to our country. Yeah, I, I'm, a, I'm actually awaiting uh, stuff that makes sense. I always just feel like, you know, they tell these stories like someone was on the street and they found him to be a supermodel or they found this person to be an actress or actor. And they, like, who takes those people and puts them to the top? They need to take David Katz's good idea and yeah. his good idea to the top. I, someone listen to that guy, you know? We need, we need a hero. You know, we need a voice through this. And yeah, I, I just, I keep waiting. And I think every day I spin through social media or, or look at, you know, uh, look at websites, uh, news websites. I'm like, nope, no hero yet today, but soon maybe. Yeah. Um, so, Paul, so the way I see it really, you know, we've got, really two main challenges uh, facing dentists now, um, you know, in, in transitioning, you know, out of the, the COVID uh, phase that we're in, you know, one is the government giving them permission to practice, uh, which is a big thing. And then the second, which is just as important or more important is getting the necessary PPE to be able to do that safely and appropriately. And uh, today we're gonna deliver on the second prong of that. Awesome. Uh, we're joined by Dr. Scott Drucker, uh, who attended the University of Pennsylvania uh, for his bachelor's degree in biology and his DMD. Uh, he then completed his residency in periodontics with a master of science in oral sciences at the University of Illinois at Chicago. In the summer of 2014, one year into his residency program, Scott founded Supply Clinic, the online marketplace for dental supplies. And to date, Supply Clinic hosts 130 dental uh, supply sellers, over 50,000 products, and is used in thousands of dental practices across the country. Uh, because the marketplace platform is transparent, sellers compete for the business of dental practices, and prices are typically 35% lower than catalog prices of largest distributors. Um, Scott's goal is to improve the overall transparency and efficiency of the dental supply market and optimize operational workflow in the clinical realm. He spends around 60 hours each week on supply clinic related work, and he still practices clinically about one day a week. And he's an independent contractor at two GP offices in the suburbs of Chicago. So Scott is a busy man, and uh, we're happy to have him on the show today. And now without further ado, here's Dr. Scott Drucker. Welcome amigo, and thanks for being on the show. Rob, thank you very much for the kind intro. Paul, thanks again for having me for take two today. Yeah, we're just it's 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 a it's a it's a Scott Drucker info session. Uh, we have an important question. I guess we're going to have to use a takeout version due to the pandemic. But where we were in Chicago, where would you choose to get uh, takeout nachos? And what's your favorite topic? Oh my God, takeout nachos in Chicago! I might make my own. Paul, have you ever done DIY nachos? I, oh yeah, well, Mrs. Nacho really does a good job, so I can't, but I, I, all nachos I like. I like them from any place, uh, so I have done some DIY, DIY during the pandemic, for sure. That, that, would, that would be my pandemic go-to recommendation, would be the I, DIY uh, version. That's a good choice. <laughs> that, is, that is a first, Paul, for us yes. on the show. We're like 70-ish episodes in. You know this happening? is the COVID we're world that we're in. Do it at home. even have different times, guys. I know. <laughs> I like that. Hey, so, uh, you know, before we get into sort of the burning questions of the day, I have to ask, Scott, you know, uh, what inspired you to found uh, uh, a, a dental supply business while you're still in your residency? And where the heck did you get the time to do that? Yeah, the, the latter, I, I don't know. Uh, it was a crazy and absolutely intense uh, period of, of two years. Um, the, the former, uh, I, the idea actually came, I, I had to purchase supplies for my residency program back when I was finishing dental school. And uh, um, I guess like most, uh, like most dental students, you really don't get that much of a, of a practice management education, which is why we need groups like Dental Nachos. Um, but uh, but I, I had to procure a whole bunch of supplies and didn't really know where to go or who to talk to. And so I was directed to uh, a couple of the, the largest distributors in the space. Um, the, the local regional reps were super happy to help and, and you know, got me pricing for all the supplies. And, and then I did what I kind of assumed most people 
uh, most people did, which was shop online and, and kind of browse around and price compare. Um, and I, 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 it turns out that that's not the case. That's not sort of how, how the industry has worked over the past you know, 50 to 100 years. Um, but I found all the supplies I needed uh, through authorized sellers online that were, you know, at much lower price points than a than the significant discount I was getting for being a new dentist out of school um, and kind of took a time out there. It was like, what, what, you know, what, what exactly is going on? We're, you know, a couple decades into, into online shopping um, where it's a pretty universally normal and accepted experience. Um, but there, there just wasn't a good kind of uh, comprehensive platform solution um, in, in the dental space. And so uh, I roped my, my brother into the picture, who's not a dentist. He has a, a business and statistics background. Um, and the two of us did a whole bunch of research on the space and ultimately decided that, that you know, there were uh, legs to the idea and uh, founded Supply Clinic. And we've since we've been scaling up the marketplace, first, you know, getting early sellers on before we could scale buyers, et cetera. And now, uh, you know, we're, we're, we've, come, we've come quite a, a long way. That's a neat story. I mean, as a debt practicing dentist myself and gone through this with my dad's practice, it's also, in addition to just savings, I also want to point out to Dennis, it has to also do with the availability of products, which we're going to get into in this pandemic time before. And also just people have different products and toppings. I mean, Rob, we go to numerous restaurants in the city that have, you know, the same vibe, but they have different dishes and it's cool to just find some new stuff. And, you know, this is the way dentistry does it. Different sellers and, you know, sometimes you find a product that changes your life from one place and it's just it's great to have the, the, those options. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. So, Scott, can you sell us some PPE? Yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, what tell us, you know, like, yeah. where are we? How did we get here? And what's the solution? Uh, Scott, I said just this morning, someone messaged me and said, you know, and this is, this is, you know, calling this moment is what this podcast should be about because this is something happens never happened before. A nacho sent me a message and said, uh, we have no K9N95s. If you know someone who has N95s, could you let me know? And I said, I'll keep my ears open for you. She goes, this seems like a dent dentist drug deal. I go, yeah, the, the most boring kind ever, you know, the <laughs> ever. And that's, you know, like Rob's thing is that's true. So where are we with the PP availability right now in a broad picture way? Yeah. Educate our listeners about that and, and what we're going, that would be super helpful. Yeah, absolutely. We touched on this a little bit this morning, but uh, we are far uh, b behind the eight ball here. Um, PPE is scarce globally. Uh, supply is just way, way, way orders of magnitude uh, lower than demand uh, at, at the moment. And we're, we're sort of seeing different waves of different uh, PPE products. So at first masks was uh, the biggest pain point and uh, there have been a whole host of manufacturers in East Asia and, and elsewhere globally, uh, including here in the States, that have sort of either set up shop or, or converted uh, their facilities from producing something else to producing some of this PPE. Um, in terms of, to, to more specifically answer your question, where are we and what's available, um, masks are still a pain point. Uh, procuring N95s is... Uh, is a big challenge. 3M is is um, uh, effectively has most of, if not all of their supply sort of uh, guided by FEMA. Uh, and pretty much none of it is in distribution channel at the moment here. So you can't go to uh, you know, your, your typical distributor and find, uh, buy some several boxes of 3M N95s. It's just not, not on the market. And so there it's are because other, because FEMA is, is buying it to hold to stockpile if it's needed for the government. Uh, my, my understanding. Yeah. So, so I, I, uh, take this with a grain of salt cause I, I'm not FEMA. I don't know anybody at FEMA, so I haven't heard this firsthand, but my understanding is that, yes, they were probably doing some stockpiling, um, but that 3M is now drop shipping uh, those masks, you know, in quantities of hundreds of thousands or millions uh, directly to various hospitals or hospital systems around the country uh, and or local uh, city or state governments uh, around the country. So, um, my understanding is most of it is actually being uh, drop shipped direct to those uh, to those end user entities. And this is just a new experience, uh, Rob. I don't know who orders all the legal pads and the pens at the office, but maybe that person. You know, uh, imagine if they called and said we only can get 
two legal pads. I, I was sharing this as a new experience for me as a practice owner because I always think I have money, I want to buy thing, and no one's ever told me as a practice owner. Really, I mean, you're you do implants, I do implants. Implants, there's been some back order components, but never really changing your life. I mean, this is changing our lives. So, right. you know, uh, this is really the first time where we're trying to purchase something we need to be a dentist every day right. I've used this golf ball analogy we need to play golf the golf courses when they're open do we have enough balls and if you're a golfer you know hey it's it's 18 holes you have two golf balls you got to finish the round even a pga tour professional would be nervous about being able to finish that round right right so yeah, so, so, so it's an issue right now. Uh, N95s are the, the biggest pain point. And because they are so scarce, the government has come along and said, well, now we can use, uh, we're, we're, we're sort of issuing this, um, this emergency use authorization for KN95s, which are similar. They're not identical. They, as we talked about this morning, they don't have uh, the completely uh, secure seal that the N95s do but they're deemed sort of as, a, as a, um, a viable alternative and sort of next best option. Um, although that got super hairy very quickly because there wasn't really guidance at first. There wasn't a, a specific list. And then a specific list of about 80 uh, Chinese manufacturers was produced. And then several weeks later was uh, reduced to a list of, of a dozen or so. Um, and so, you know, lots of those KN95s had, uh, of, of the 65 that were cut out were, were sold into the space. And now uh, th there's just a lot of uh, confusion and, and anxiety given that these are products that are intended to keep us safe. So there's just you know, this, this extra uh, kind of extra nerves added to the equation here. Um, and Paul, I, I just remembered uh, yesterday as I, I was thinking about this is after I visited uh, in, in February, in early fe February, I was out in Philly visiting you. You gave me that goodie bag. And uh, I think it must have been maybe a month ago. I reopened it and found there were like three little bottles of hand sanitizer. And I was thinking that you, you must have, I, I hope you had a bunch of that. You know, yeah. Several of those boxes. Right. Oh, we got, yeah, yeah. We, we come to Nacho headquarters. We sell it $50 yeah. for a two ounce bottle. So. Yeah, that turned into gold. Hey, if you want to stand them up and sell them on, on supply clinic to, yeah. to all <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, anyhow, so, so masks are, are, you know, started out and, and probably are still the biggest pain point and there's most uh, confusion and, and tension around, around them. Um, and of course, I understand, uh, are all the made yep. in, like, so 3M makes mm -hmm. some of the stuff. Yep. Uh, is is like, everything else just made in China? Like who else is, is manufacturing this stuff? And obviously, so if, I mean, FEMA is, is channeling the stuff that's coming from 3M, but the yeah. rest of the world is probably grabbing, you know, whatever's coming out of China as well too, right? Or is, yeah. is manufacturing this stuff? There just isn't even this. So, so FEMA is also grabbing things that are that are not coming from 3M. Uh, 3M produces uh, in the U.S. as well as uh, in China. They have uh, several factories in China. Um, and yeah, the vast majority of, uh, of the mask alternatives uh, are coming out of China. Because what, what a lot of people don't realize is all of our surgical masks that we use, that we used regularly. So ASTM levels one, two, and three, the regular ear loop masks that, that everybody was so used to, uh, pretty much all of those came out of China as well. Um, that, that's just sort of how uh, global manufacturing operations have been set up. And I think uh, folks are realizing that uh, that hey, that is obviously a massive issue right now uh, when when supply chain is so broken and we need to ramp up production and um, you know it's it's led to a whole host of issues with the KN95s because uh, a whole bunch of counterfeit and uh, and just poor product was being produced and, and shipped out. Um, China stepped up their efforts to to kind of review and, and screen all of the product leaving uh, via custom, sort of a custom screening process over there. Um, you know, the U.S. has stepped up their response in terms of issuing, hey, these are specific manufacturers that we're more comfortable with. Um, even though how some ended up on that list and others didn't, I, I'm not sure. It's, it still seems pretty haphazard to me. Um, but yeah, I mean, supply chain is is largely broken and we're we're kind of sitting here in the dental space several rungs beneath other uh, much, much larger consumers. So governments, 
right? State governments, the federal government, um, you know, orders of magnitude, larger purchasing power. Uh, you've got uh, you've got then hospitals and hospital systems that are you know purchasing masks in you know by the hundreds of thousands or, or you know millions at a time. Uh, you know, d- dental. Uh, there's been a, a lot of advocacy behind the scenes to get us on lists for uh, government distribution uh, of masks as healthcare providers. We, we certainly need it, um, but. You know, even that there was a there was a pretty substantial lag. So, yeah. So, Adrian, so I guess we're we used to talk about you know not being dependent on foreign oil. I guess the you know post COVID will be we can't be dependent on foreign PPE, right? Like that'll be the yeah. you're gonna start manufacturing masks, you know, in the in the, in the United States. In, in exactly. I mean, not not too long ago, people would would pay you to take their barrels of oil off of them. For, for you know storage issue reasons. Uh, meanwhile, the price of a box of masks, like fifty earloop masks, in January might have been you know five, six, seven dollars, something like that. And and now, depending on the level, I, I'm seeing them from anywhere from forty to to like close to seventy dollars per box of of fifty earloop masks. So more than more than a barrel of oil. No 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 joke. Yeah, no, but actually, <laughs> um, so it's 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 wild what's happened with uh, you know with, with supply chain, and uh, we see a lot of uh, you know there's obviously a lot of frustration from customers saying, hey, you know, I'm being price gouged. I, I you know, <laughs> that's absurd for me to pay fifty dollars for a box of these masks, and and well, I do agree that is absurd. Uh, distributors and any and you know anybody who who sells through channel can't purchase from the manufacturers at those those old prices anymore so their costs have gone up tremendously and and you know that's it's you know it all, the, the increase trickles down to i'll, I'll add it the only thing i can as scott was talking rob he's a periodontist but i'm a general dentist you know the price of gold when we did a lot of porcelain fused to metal crowns the price of gold would fluctuate and your crown your crown cost would be could go from 150 to 220 right and this would make dentists upset because you really couldn't charge the patient more, you know, when that happened. And now this is happening with our PPE, but you know, as we were talking about, we can't play dentist golf without our PPE. So whether we get upset or not, I'm more interested. I use this example, Rob, like if you forget to buy golf balls at Dick's Sporting Goods, and then you go to the course, they're usually twice as expensive, but you can't play without them. I was asking, I would like to know, as we look at this year, What's the outlook? When will dentistry run out of golf balls? What does it need in the supply chain to make enough for that if we do get back to open? And I am back to capacity, what I did in January and February. What does the supply world have to do to catch up to that so that we can continue at that capacity? Yeah, that, that's a, that's a you know, incredibly important question that I don't know anybody has a, has a direct answer to. Um, I, I know that, you know, I, I've been trying to think outside the box and, and I've talked to a number of uh, dental uh, state organizations. So like the Illinois State Dental Society, uh, gr- groups like that, um, and trying to figure out ways to get PPE available. You know, the, um, s- some of them are looking at stockpiling themselves. Uh, and then, you know, then, then there's this whole question of distribution. De- dental societies don't, you know, aren't in the, in the distribution game. And there's obvious added cost to that. Um, you know, I, I, I can't put an exact time frame on things, but I, I know we're, we're doing what we can. We may have to come up with some sort of creative solutions so that, uh, you know, dentists can, can, can get the supplies they need to stay open and keep themselves and their patients safe. Um, What's, what's also interesting, you, you mentioned something that kind of, that you know, all of a sudden we, we have all this much greater cost of PPE per patient. And there's, you know, a lot of discussion happening uh, about passing along that cost to your patient. And I know there are a number of, uh, of insurance providers. I, Paul, I don't, I don't know if you participate in any of them that are, uh, for the time being, uh, you know, covering some of that cost of, of PPE. Uh, I, I don't know what all the intricacies, like what, what those details look like, but I mean, I know the payers, the insurance companies have, you know, they're, they're sitting pretty fat and happy right now because 
every, everybody continues, you know, businesses and, and whomever continue to pay their monthly premiums. Right. Meanwhile, in the month of April, they had to, to pay out for, you know, 4% of procedures that were done That's in April of 19. So, you know, in, in theory, they, they should be in a pretty good position to be able to help out at least mon- monetarily for some of this, you know, they'll kill me for coming on and saying, saying that, but um, yeah, I mean, we're, <laughs> We're, we're looking at all kinds of different uh, potential solutions here. So right now, I mean, you don't see any any break in that in that problem with the supply chain. I mean, I said yeah. this all earlier, like, like you're looking around, like the cases seem to be down. Hospitals, are, a lot of hospitals in most parts of the country are saying, you know, we're, you know, we're not at capacity from a COVID standpoint. Right. We're not right. able to do elective procedures. Like at some point, like in the near future, like, you know, you're going to be able to buy toilet paper in the grocery store again, right? right like right. this stuff has to, you know, at some point, you know, yeah. the, people can't possibly need all this stuff, right? You know, like it, it right. the area so, has to die down. Yeah, it, it, I mean, it will eventually. Uh, I think with masks, we're starting to see uh, – kind of starting to feel a pulse again through at least through our distribution network and what we're seeing. Um, N95s are still extremely difficult uh, to, to get a hold of. We do have some up on the site right now, but my guess is we'll, they'll be, you know, uh, out of stock by tomorrow or, or the next day or what, what have you. Um, we're seeing more and more level one and level two mat ear loop masks come online. Uh, level threes are, are extremely difficult. Although I, I, again, I am seeing sort of, slight increases in, in availability with masks. Gowns are going to be the next um, most difficult thing to, to find. Um, you know, the, the CDC is recommending that everybody wear disposable uh, um, gowns for, for, you know, treating patients in a, in a COVID era. Yeah, I just want to pause you to get um, Rob involved because, you know, you'll hear our disclaimer. This is not legal advice prior to starting this, but Rob and his team are awesome at helping people build their relations with employees and employee management you know, gowns, Rob, traditionally they were worn until they were too dirty to be worn because they were to protect the provider. But some states are saying you need to change it after every patient, which could go from someone like me using three gowns a day to 23 gowns a day. Even put the cost part aside, it's the same story with gowns. I'm going to run out of gowns. So they're giving us, and I heard you say this, Rob, on a post, it was, they're making these, and maybe it was our podcast, they're making these bars and hurdles dentists have to jump over so impossible that you, I mean, I hate to say it, you almost feel like giving up before you start. Well, you know my take on that. I mean, I, I just, I, I continue to be disappointed with most state dental associations that, you know, what they're doing from a lobbying standpoint. I mean, that's just not practical, Paul. I mean, where would you even store all those gowns in your office? Like, you would have to have, like, an off-site, you know, storage facility that every day a van came and, like, brought in a room full of, of, of gowns for everybody. None of this makes sense. It doesn't work for dentists. And unfortunately, for whatever reason, you know, dentists can't possibly have a seat at the table with any of these discussions with state departments of health that are mandating these requirements, which are just freakishly impossible and they're not practical. So it's like to even say, I know you share this frustration, Paul, and I'm sure you do too, Scott, when you see, you know, whatever particular state says, yes, you're allowed to open, but, and then they lay out all these, these requirements. Oh, you just seen the Connecticut. Do do that to them, you know? also, I want to, I want to share it. Let's say that, you know, we're putting, you know, it fits with what Scott does and he as a dentist and supply person, what you do, Rob, as an advisor, Let's say we use Dr. Nacho and his brother, Jeff Nacho, and we're taking care of our emergencies. Forget about that part for a second. We're handling people in small cases. This is not profitable in any way, but we're handling the major things. But then we say to ourselves, okay, we want to be open to see patients. If we're losing $20,000 a month being closed, but now we're losing $40,000 being open, what's the point of being open? I'll still do the emergencies. No one has to get upset. We'll do the emergencies. But as business owners, as private practice owners, how can you look at a scenario and say, I'm going to go into work, try to work, and now double my loss each month? It's daunting, and it just makes you want to say, I don't know what to do next. Just stay close and do emergencies until this flattens out. Or not, that's a bad word, not flattens out. Till this stabilizes, because flattens taken on a whole new mean. I'm just saying till it stabilizes, because it's very confusing, because you, you get your team together, you play four holes of golf, and then you're out of golf balls, and you're on the fourth hole. So... You know, I, I, I find this to be just 
overwhelming mentally as a business owner to make decisions, dental business owner. Well, it's, it's all businesses, Paul. My business yeah, is no different. True. I mean, the restaurant business, just as bad. I mean, right. you tell a restaurant that they can be open, but they can only have, you know, 30% of capacity is saying, uh, we want you to lose $5,000 a night, you know? Yeah. I, none of this makes any sense. And, you know, as we talked about at the outset, you know, there needs to be some sort of just pra- like practical, you know, better more reasonable approach to dealing with all these things because it's not sustainable, you know, and specifically in the dental world, you know, it's okay for most people to go a few months without being able to get their dental treatment. Some people, you know, but this, this can't go on for years where where we can't just get rid of dental care in, in the, in this country, unless you've got some, you know, raging infection that you need to have your tooth extracted. Like that's, that's not okay. You know, and I, you know, I just, so much of this, you know, that just has, it keeps coming back for me at least that there just needs to be better advocacy for, for the profession at every level in terms of the the guidelines, you know, getting in line and, and being able to, to, to get the PPE. Geez. I mean, a few short weeks ago, dentists were being told in most places that they had to donate their PPE to the, to the local hospital, you know, and then we find out that the hospitals weren't even at capacity. So it's like, none of it makes any sense, you know, and yeah. I just we, did that. we donated some of our stuff and some N95s that, you know, even just to dig in further to this, because we talk about stuff you don't learn in dental school, which is making decisions, you know, Rob, you're not going to have the pleasure of really needing an N95, I guess, unless you're going to do some uh, I don't know what people use it for housework, but there also is the challenge of you give an N95 to a team member and they can't operate because it's it's not designed to be used for a full day of dental work. That's a whole nother issue that this leadership is just leaving us hung out to dry in because the practicality of using this to protect yourself for a long-term day, it's impossible. I've worn them at the, at the hospital. I don't know if you have, Scott, or you just wear them for fun since you have some at the supply clinic. But I mean, they're not designed for long-term use for dental care. Would you agree, Scott? Yeah, I mean, I, I, that conversation has certainly come up, and and you know, the, they're they're filtering ninety-five percent. So a lot of people are saying, okay, I want I want to layer on another mask, which honestly, I I, I may do. I have my uh, my first uh, emergency day back in on just under a couple of weeks now, but. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll probably layer on. And then dentists are saying we're wearing all this stuff all day. It's, it's not only is it, is it like hot and uncomfortable, but, but oxygen levels are, are way lower than they should be. And so there's talk about, you know, ch- checking your, yourself and, and your team f- for, for, you know, with, with a pulse ox throughout oh, the day. My friend in Texas, he, right? he had a bunch of associates. One's husband had to go pick her up at lunch. His, her pulse ox was 94. Right. She, had, she had to go home. Right, right, exactly, and that's that's we definitely don't want to be in a position where we're we're operating on patients with you know uh, that oxygen right. level of ninety three, ninety four percent when we're not at our full capacity, right? So, yeah, it's it's something else to to keep in mind for sure. I mean, yeah, you know, it's crazy too. This is this will annoy both of you. You know, it's like one of the directives for construction in Philadelphia is that they're supposed to be wearing N95 masks. And so there's a big, we're doing an office expansion in our, in our suite presently. And so part of the thing is that the, the contractors who are allowed to work, albeit, and you know, so somehow they're able to get these N95 masks that you guys can't get, you know, but the builders will have it. You know, that, that's a little disturbing. We don't even have to go off into that too much, but I mean, how can, how can you, you you swing a hammer and, and do work like that all day with an N95 mask? And now I'm seeing like the NFL's talking about some version of it for for the players. Like, it just uh, the lack of awareness as to what the stuff actually practically means to wear this and actually do it is just uh, you know continues to. Be I mean, I'm, I'm legitimately concerned that dentist and dental pra- dentist dental dentist and team members are going to have medical bad medical events in the office from wearing these too long I, as as i'm breaking this osha thing down as a dentist not an osha expert i as the practice owner can wear a level three i guess i could wear a level two i guess i could wear a bandana osha doesn't affect me as the owner i protect myself but i must protect my employees and it's very confusing to figure out what you have to provide for your employees right now because rob you know and and scott the New Jersey State Board, which has been fairly silent, th- thanks. I mean, I heard nothing from them. Uh, if they come out and say we need to 
provide these for our team members and we can't order them. Is that it? The golf game's over. I, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's, it's definitely a, it's a challenge. Um, so, you know, I guess, you know, what, what, what can people, you know, from a business planning standpoint, Scott, you know, you as a, as a practice owner too, like what types of things are you doing, you know, to kind of plan for and manage and try to operate uh, a professional practice sure. with this challenge? Sure. So, so my biggest piece of advice to everybody is to, to purchase what you can when you can and, and stock up to the extent that you can, because from what I, I uh, you know, the ADA put out, puts out, uh, um, sort of data every every week or so and and this past set of data uh, reflected that about 50% of dentists that you know of course that participated in the survey um, had less than a week's worth of PPE runway total um, you know broken down by masks gowns uh, uh, face shields and, and one other um, so yeah biggest piece of advice is is purchase what you can when you can um, I, I mentioned it this morning but diversify the the places that you're uh, the supply companies through which you're purchasing you know uh, obviously I want everybody to come to supply clinic and, and check out what we have but everybody should be looking not just at their primary and, and an auxiliary but but look at five or ten different places uh, and see what's available where everybody's going to have maximum uh, limits to what any given practitioner can buy from from that specific place um, and, and we've we've never seen that before in fact e it, was, it, it was an interesting challenge in the e-commerce world where all of a sudden we had suppliers come to us and say, actually, we need to limit the number of these that we can sell to any given customer, which, you know, flies in the face of, hey, let's, you know, through e-commerce sell as much as we can to as many as we can. Um, so, so yeah, d diversify where you're purchasing from. Um, I, I gave this, um, this other piece of advice, which is if your office is not uh, fully operational and you don't have staff there, uh, you know, for, for the full Monday through Friday uh, during the week, uh, strongly consider ordering your PPE to your own or another residential address. Uh, UPS and FedEx, all I, th I think pretty much most most carriers right now are doing one delivery attempt instead of the the historical three. And if it's not, you know, if, if it's not delivered on that one attempt, it gets sent back to the to to the sender. So, you know, strong piece of advice there. If if you know, if, if your office is not up fully, uh, get order it to somewhere where there will be someone to accept the package. Those are really great tips, Scott, and you know, really awesome for our audience because those are those are things that you don't think about ordering to a residential address, going for those. I think you you're a video fan like me. You guys have a great, you guys are awesome sponsors and key resources. I love your supply clinic video that you made with the jokes. Oh, I think you guys should make one where you have like a Brinks truck and you come out of it, but it's. N95s instead of money in there, because that's what's happening. Uh, I have a question, maybe I should know this as a dentist, uh, maybe I'm just used to always ordering through my office. How do you have to, like who can order an N95 from supply clinic? Yeah, what that's a great question. So, so the vast majority of, uh, the, the, historically there's a whole subset of products on our site that could only be ordered by licensed practitioners. So the most obvious example is like a local anesthetic, right? Not anybody can buy it. We, you, you have, at sign up, you have to put in your, your license information and then our team goes in and verifies with each state uh, that yes, you are in fact who, who you claim to be and you're authorized to purchase. Uh, we've set those restrictions um, pretty much across the board for this PPE as well. I mean, historically, we, we, we wouldn't care who anybody could buy a nitrile glove or a mask or whatever. It's, you know, that, that wasn't restricted in any way. Um, now those restrictions are up uh, so that only healthcare uh, professionals can, can go on and, and can purchase these supplies. Um, and that said, it's a, it's a really good point you bring up. Um, if, you law, if you make an account and are looking to purchase immediately, uh, there's going to be a little bit of a lag because we have to go and verify your license uh, you know, with, with your respective state. Um, so, you know, you can ping us, Hey, I, I just signed up, uh, you know, I, I want to be able to purchase. Can you verify my license? Uh, but, but there is intentionally that lag introduced so that we're, we're keeping these for our community. Um, so that they're great, great. I want to bring this to Rob's attention because our next podcast would just be messages from Paul's Facebook messenger, Rob, because it's of all these associates asking me, right. If 
their office is not providing PPE, what can they do? Should they go back? Should they not go back? Do all this. And I share it on Dental Nachos, like a Dear Nacho Abbey, and we get a lot of responses. And some people say, oh, you're an associate? Just take your money and buy your own PPE. Even putting aside they're not supposed to do that, the office was, even if they wanted to, Rob, this is the challenge. If you're an associate and you now want to start to buy gowns and masks, it's not nearly as easy as people would think that to be for a variety of reasons. Right, Scott? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely a challenge. Yeah. Um, there, there are a ton of, ton of resources out there, a whole bunch of, of different, uh, different distributors that I know are very actively working on this challenge. And, you know, on, on supply clinic, we cure, we have our own, you know, we have our, our network of distributors and multiple times a day throughout the day, uh, we're, we're updating inventory, what's available. If, if price changes happen, we're changing those on the fly. Um, it's, it's an extremely, uh, active, uh, curative process. Um, but I, I, again, I encourage everybody to sort of reach out to companies you haven't worked with before, explore what's available and, and purchase from where you can, because I do think that they're, uh, you know, I, I can't, I don't know exactly how long this challenge is going to last, but, but I know it'll, this will be a problem for, for a while, um, for, for several months. Yeah. Interesting. The other thing too that you know, sort of shifting gears a little bit, just as the uh, the only patient on the uh, on the podcast here, just looking at some of the Facebook feeds at how the dentists look with all this protective gear on. I showed my wife last night, and I said, "I bet you can't wait to go to the dentist to see this." It's <laughs> like it looks like Chernobyl, you know. Like it's just a the the op. You know, as we talk about sort of you know people feeling confident to go back to the dentist. Sure. I mean, I've, I've already said, you know, like, Hey, I'm cool. I, I have no, I have no issue. I feel like it's going to be okay. But gosh, when I, when I see what it, the dentist looks like now, it actually freaked me out, you know? Yeah. And uh, obviously from an infection control standpoint, it's a necessary evil, but man, oh man, that's not going to help with the PR. Uh, well, Rob, you, you make a good point. And Scott is an implant guy like me, but he's younger than me. So this happened to me once and your point is, so we would set up for implant dentistry initially they made a big deal about it because they didn't know. And I think the same thing's happening here. Be over cost. You know. So they used to do implants only in operating room drop. So to place a $1,500 or $2,000 dental implant, they would use an entire operating room and scrub in for it. They didn't know. Then they went into our offices and some practitioners wear hats, some practitioners this, but there's always a bag hanging on the drill that's sailing to cool down the drill. Well, I didn't think of this guy. So we would be pretty intense about this, not too intense. And we just went to walk a patient and she turned around, ran out. She said, I'm not getting an IV in there. And I said, oh, sorry, you know, my bad. So yours, what you're saying is right, Rob. And what I, I don't know if you, people remember, I rant a lot. But in the beginning of this whole thing, when we were doing podcasts and starting out, I really believe Scott and Scott probably practice like this because our periodontist in-house does. He either does consults or procedure, consults or procedure generally. So either you walk in and you hear about what's happening very relaxed, not all gowned up like crazy, or you go in for your procedure. I think all dentists have to embrace this for their business. Either we have, let's talk about what's going on, take some x-rays, don't be gowned up to the nth degree, but then, hey, hey, Rob, when we go and do your crown, it's different than before. Due to the coronavirus crisis, we've heightened or enhanced what we do. So when you walk into that room, you're going to see more stuff than you used to but at your consult visit, you just kind of saw me face to face because I do want to make, I mean, I'm someone who's a rule follower, but Scott, like, I mean, if you're not producing aerosols, putting aside whether that's dangerous or not, many of the stuff we do doesn't do that. You don't have to be gowned up like this just to look in someone's mouth. I mean, you have to protect yourself, but it, I mean, I, I don't know if I'm, would you say that's an accurate way to put it, Scott? Yeah, I, I I feel like the jury's out across the board on this one. Um, I you know I, I hear that uh, a ton of practitioners sort of converting over to doing uh, a, a number of their consultations uh, via uh, you know Zoom or, or or some sort of video conference just like this, and I think that uh, you know that that may stick in a number of practices. Uh, it, it actually is, it's extreme, obviously it's a totally sanitary and zero risk of any transmission, yeah. but, but B it's probably quicker and, and more efficient and, and 
you know, um, I, I, you know, I, I don't know. It's a, it's a great point. I've, I've watched some, some of your rants about, you know, being able to, to join, you know, be in the middle of one procedure, jump to another, and now you're like disrobing, like putting on the, the whole PPE regalia again. And, you know, a, a lot of the, the, like the old workflow probably is, is not going to fly. Certainly not now. Um, I, you know, who knows what things will look like once a ton more research is done. I think it can emerge is a better workflow after like a year's past. I mean, not now it's going to be nuts now, but I right. did think it was nuts that we have to like do a surgical procedure. And someone's like, could you check this other person in the room? Like, <laughs> right. now? like yeah, now, like Rob, I don't know. There's like, imagine you're reading an asset purchase agreement dug in and someone's like, could you come over here and see if this restrictive covenant should be 12 or 10 miles? And you're like, now? Yeah, it's, just this, it's just this one paragraph I need you to read real yeah. quick. So I, anger, <laughs> yeah, so it's just, I think that a better workflow could emerge, but I think you're right, Rob, as a patient, yeah. that we're going to have to have really good messaging to explain the why to our patients. Because remember, Rob, all the things that we're doing in that moment, when we look weird, it's not to protect you, it's to protect us. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I, I know a, a, obviously a ton of patients will be turned off by a, a PPE charge or surcharge. Maybe maybe it should be a, a safety experience. <laughs> I like that. Like, there, there may be some positive way to spin that. I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, it's all about I, I, the optics. Yeah. 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 I like cool. that. So uh, if we can, you know, before we start to wrap things up, Scott, just if we can just shift gears for a few minutes and sure. Just talk a little bit more about supply clinic and, you know, what, you know, you can, we talked about briefly at the outset, but really what, what the niche is that you guys have in the market and, and what you're able to, to do for, for your clients and, and sure. customers and what, what your competitive advantage is here. Sure. So the, the, the beauty of the platform is it's a, it's an entirely free platform or, or website. So the, you know, there's, there's no uh, monetary commitment from the outset. Uh, it's built so that a practitioner or, you know, a, a dental professional or, or the, the, um, the, the team member in the office who does the ordering can go on, browse around, price compare. And the idea is that if they find they can save by shopping those items or all their items through us, that they would do so. And, and that's it. The experience is designed such that as you're shopping, you can see, you know, browse the product page, see who charges what for that product, add it to your cart, and then check out in a single cart with a single payment process. So it's, you know, it's, it's, it's built as a tool and as a resource uh, for, for dental professionals and, and to bring some of that pricing transparency, uh, in, into the, into the marketplace. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's the, the, the short of it. <laughs> well, it's, it's a very, uh, sort of modern way, obviously of, of shopping. It would have been the more modern way pre COVID and, uh, you know, now, uh, the world and the challenges that we're in, it, it seems like it makes even, even more sense. Yeah, I, I, I think so. And I, I think we're going to, uh, there'll be at least some period of time here where, you know, historically the, the largest of the distributors have their armies of sales reps that go to door to door. And obviously the cost of goods is increased in, in that model, right? There's, there's a, a, another mouth to feed and, and that individual takes a, a commission off of what they sell. sell. So there's not this uh, incentive to, to offer the lowest pricing possible. Right. Um, but now I think there are going to be, you know, there are restrictions and, and limitations as to who's allowed in the office in the first place. Right. We're telling our patients, Hey, come either on your own or, or, or if it's a small child, one parent should bring the child and, you know, there shouldn't be other kids or other people hanging around the waiting room. In fact, uh, you know, uh, at least where, where I'm practicing patients are going to be waiting in their cars and then brought in so that the, the reception area is totally empty. Right. Um, and so I, I just, you know, for a while, I don't see a world in which, uh, in which sales representatives from different companies are going to be coming into the office to, to, to interact. It just, right. you know, I want to ask a question is uh, where are people going to wait when they go to the dentist in the city on the street, cops going to break it up and say, you got to move along miss. And like, I'm here for my implant crown. So I still want to know where you wait if you don't have a car scenario. Uh, but I think you're totally right in that the people coming and going any place is going to be shifted for a while. And that's why uh, I'll tell a quick story that the, the founder of our practice sales company, uh, Rob knows, he refused to get Uber on his phone, came to Philly all these times. And we were at a shared workspace, not sure if they're coming back. And he had to go to the airport and it was a Sunday, he couldn't find a taxi Rob in Philly. 
So I said, download Uber and use it. He goes, okay, you had to be forced. Now takes Ubers all the time. And I think that's what's gonna happen in offices. They're gonna be forced to order in an online way where they weren't doing it before or else the other alternative would be no ride to airport, no supplies. Right, right. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how, how all this plays out. I, I kind of visualize, you know, we say, where are the patients going to wait in the city? Since, since Scott spent a lot of time in Philadelphia, you know, I kind of visualize like the scene at DeBruno's or a lot of the <laughs> places on 9th Street in South yeah. Philadelphia, you know, where it's like pre-holiday where people oh, are yeah. lined up around the block and they're like, people are handing out drinks and there's a, the mummers bands are playing yeah, yeah, that's and festive and there's music and everybody's going to be, you know, like you can have a dental office with a with a, a string band, six everybody six feet apart. You know, entertaining and serenading the patients as they wait for their appointment. Uh, yeah, I like that. Maybe right, best case scenario. Uh, and then and then you get to go in and see, yeah, see the dentist dressed up in the PPE and run yeah, out right. the, That's the, the, the the safe safety experience, right? <laughs> right. Just keep saying that. I like that. Hey, uh, Scott, thanks uh, thanks so much for for taking your time. Obviously, you are. A very busy guy I can only imagine uh, as a as a business owner and somebody that's trying to stay on top of everything and just deal with the the shifting conditions and supply issues and trying to figure out you know I, I, reinventing I'm certain your business on a daily basis or on an hourly yeah. basis. Yeah, uh, it, it it certainly is busy. But uh, Rob, I, I really appreciate you you having me on uh, on the podcast here and and uh, Paul the Facebook Live for all the all the nacho uh, supremers out there. <laughs> Double duty. How can people reach out to you? They want to learn more about how supply clinic works or talk to you directly. Yeah. Great, great question. Uh, you, anybody can feel free to email me directly. Uh, my email is Scott S E O T T at supply clinic.com. Um, and otherwise, uh, you know, the, the website is uh, free and accessible to anybody is supplyclinic.com. Uh, not too long ago, we set up a, uh, a landing page for PPE, um, specifically uh, just for, for PPE, that's supplyclinic.com slash PPE. Uh, and pretty shortly, there's going to be our uh, supplyclinic.com slash uh, nachos PPE. So uh, we'll be on the lookout for that in the next couple of days here. Awesome. Thanks so much, Scott. Thank you, Scott. Thanks, guys. Cool. I'm off the live stream, so we're good. So that ends the podcast part. Perfect. Awesome job, Scott. Thanks for sharing so much. Sure. I hope hope that was the... uh, the you know the the beers at the bar the fireside chat style uh, <laughs> interview it's real about your golf game at the bar you can't say you know we're gonna shoot seventy three out there with one ball and three clubs so yeah yeah <laughs> that's great you, you were awesome thanks it was a good uh, good conversation I think people will find it find it interesting and informative and it you know it sounds like you you really positioned yourself really well from a business model standpoint you know as the world changes and I think you're, you know, I wish you the best because I think you're right at the forefront of the, the, the sensible way that this stuff will get done. I, I don't want to say, you know, when we have a live audience or on our podcast, but, uh, you know, because we have obviously a lot of uh, people in the, that we network with who are supply reps and are in that sure, business. Why, why not? <laughs> and oh man, I mean, I, I, there's no room for them in, in the office for a long time to come, yeah. you know, like who's that yeah. guy standing there? Like, you know, yeah. Man, I yeah, we, we've had we've had a, a huge bump in the number that have reached out to us about uh, job availability and uh, not not just uh, sales representatives, but others in the space that are either hygienists or office staff that are like, hey, you know, uh, do you guys have a role for us at, at Supply Clinic? And um, we're you know we're, we're there's a lot of active discussion about how how the model is shifting and, and sort of where things are moving and how we may be able to, to, to work with, with as many as possible that may, you know, may not find themselves for nachos. I mean, I can't, I'm trying to survive and thrive, but same for them. It's like, it just, I think we can make just the version of the uh, virtual paid on commission salespeople, right? Like here's what you can sell and we'll give you a commission and maybe you sell a hundred thousand and make 50 and for people like me and you, it's kind of we're, we're selling commodities that we've created. So there's almost very little cost on our end. I, I, I'm interested in finding out some of that for nachos because I think there's going to be a whole bunch of people who are going to have no jobs but have the ability to connect yep. with dentists. Yep, yep. Yeah, I, I'm happy to chat with you uh, offline. After. Yeah, yeah. I'd like to learn more about that. 
I mean, who needs who needs a salesperson to sell sell a commodity? You know, it's like right. come over here. I'm going to sell you some gas. Like why, why, <laughs> yeah. I go to the gas station. Yeah. Why, why do I need you to sell me gas? I need it. He's got it. I'm going to go get it. You know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. As as things evolve, we're going to see that the uh, is Rob is to keep the theme because you don't. Uh, I, and I know Dennis and Scott too. We need the caddies of the golf course to buy the stuff from the nachos and supply clinic. We need more about how the thing works online to purchase your stuff. Right. That's where they get tripped up. Gas station, you drive in, take out thing, do it. But imagine if they had some weird virtual gas station where you got stuck, you know, at the right. beginning part, that's our problem. I mean, we, we, we tackle, we're so hyper-focused on, on user interface and user experience. And, and we, Paul, I can't remember if I shared this with you, but we, uh, we get calls, so I'll take call uh, like a half day, a month or so, just to get a feel of the workflow. And I'll literally pick up the phone, you know, supply clinic, this is Scott speaking, how can I help you kind of thing, right? And, uh, and I had one lady that called in super excited, like, this is so great, we're ready to go and, and, and order stuff online, and, and uh, my office is, is, is ready to, sh- to, to shift over. And I was like, that, that's wonderful news, you know, how can I help you? And she was like, oh, so I'm calling to place my order. <laughs> I was like, oh man. Yeah, I know. Yeah. They, 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 I, you've got a lot of promotion <laughs> space there. So, um, yeah. So it'll, 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 it'll be interesting to, to, to see how things evolve. But yeah, what, what people are generally saying is that the way that shopping is done is going to shift to the point that the, the, you know, the B level product that's three clicks away with super clear, easily digestible content is going to sell 10 times out of 10 over the A plus product that's buried nine clicks deep. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And for sure. I think yep. that's just about ease. It's about, yeah, no, I, I totally get well, that. Friction free, right? Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. We can do a wrap up. Then I got to get to my nacho team, but thanks. Really fun. All right, I'm going to jump off the call here. Take care guys. All right. Thank perfect. You, Pleasure. Bye-bye. Great stuff there from Scott Drucker. Very, very timely, you know, talking about the, uh, the, the gold of 2020, you know, PPE, you know, what's going on with it, how to get it, when will we get it again? And uh, I think we get a big TBD out of that. Uh, there's, a, there's a funny dentist who made some great uh, comedy things, Robin. She did herself talking to herself about what was going to happen January till now and said to herself, stock up on N95 masks. And the, and the other person, you know, the big said, why, you know, and now you see that, you know, and, and I think it's, we should just be, you know, Brett Gilbert, who had on the podcast, and he's been on nachos, you know, just be give grace to people. As practice owners, we're dealing with a lot. I mean, it's just a lot to deal with. You know, things have shifted dramatically for the people of Earth, but for dentists, the, the lack of the ability to get what we need to protect ourselves is just really can drive you nacho nuts. Yeah, it's challenging. And it's like, it's challenging for everybody now. My uh, yeah. wife is saying, uh, there's a, an expression called, uh, is it false, uh, false flat? You know, if you're a cyclist, that you're rolling along and it looks like the road is flat, but in fact, it's slightly pitched. You don't realize that until, you know, 20 minutes into the, into the ride that you actually are going uphill. We're all experiencing that in every aspect of our lives. That's, that's the background, you know, and meanwhile, you're trying to navigate all this new stuff and save your business and, and try to keep your, your team who, you know, some cases you've been with for a long time. These are people you care about. You want to keep them employed so that they can you know, feed their families and pay their mortgages. It's uh, it is not an easy time. And, you know, anybody, you know, who's, who's in this situation, you know, any prof- professional, especially dentists, uh, you know, you, you do you just have to be easy on yourself because this is not a, a, an easy time, you know, and, and uh, you know, don't be hard on yourself. This is, this is as brutal as it gets, you know, and so um, you just do the best that you can. I think, you know, Scott's uh, business model is a very uh, appropriate one, you know, and it's, it's, it's extremely relevant in today's world, how people are buying things. You know, nobody is going to any store anymore and dealing with in-person transactions, um, which, you know, I'm, I'm, makes me, I mean, I guess I'm an old guy. It makes me a little sad uh, to talk about that because I still do like to sort of like walk around and see things, you know, and to think that that world may not exist, you know, beyond my door after the dust settles is a little troubling, but it is what it is. But this is one of those instances where, you know, there's really not a whole lot of, you know, a real good reason not to do it this way in this industry. For sure. And, it's, and for dentists, a lot of it is going to be to preserve their sanity, uh, safety, and stress because, you know, 
the stuff we need, we just need to get it in and get it in our offices so we can do our next thing. So, you know, while I was walking with the Nacho family to South Philly to find a pizza place, you know, that's not a bad place to kind of, you know, maybe go in and order your pizza and order stuff for your kids. That's a nice user experience, but I don't want that experience for paper towels, right? Like I don't need it for paper towels. Just I need the paper towels. And I think that's the difference for dentists and how they just want to get their paper towel stuff uh, ordered in an easy way. And I think they can do that. Yeah, yeah. No, that, that makes perfect sense. Not to mention, you know, it, as you've talked about with uh, in-house dental plans and, you know, and, and scheduling, uh, you know, the patient's ab- uh, ability to do these transactions at a time of their choosing is just crucial. And when it comes to this stuff, I don't think that there are going to be a lot of people like, you know, dentists and their team twiddling their thumbs with like a lot of extra time to kill for a long time in the office. Like, like sure. this is going to be all hands on deck trying to make this whole, as you talk about the Broadway play function yeah. with challenges that are, you know, tenfold of what they were before. And so if you have the ability on a Thursday night at eight o'clock to, to go online and order some stuff that you need for the office, like yeah, that kind of yeah. makes it's sense. Into life optimal convenience. I agree. Well, it's good to see you, Paul. Stay safe, stay sane, and talk to you next time. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to another great podcast with the Dental Amigos. And don't forget to tune in next time to have the dental business demystified. If you're looking for more information about today's podcast, you can find it on the dentalamigos.com. If you're looking for Paul, you can find Paul at drpaulgoodman.com. And if you're looking for Rob, you can find him at yourdentallawyer.com. This podcast has been sponsored by Orange Line Media Group, helping dentists and other professionals create content people love. Find out how we can help you take your business to the next level at www.orangelinemg.com. Till next time.